I don't think it's a stretch to say that more than just about anything in the world, most people are pursuing joy. They may not have a super great idea of what joy even really is or what it would really take to have joy, but they do have this sense that there's this this state of existence and of life in your mind space and in your heart space and in your relationships where you're just right and you're joyful, or we might use the word happy, and I know maybe there's a difference between happiness and joy, but people use those interchangeably. You get the point. People are trying to feel good about life and be excited about life. People want joy. Now, you also know that the big problem is most people, most of the time, pursue joy in ways that actually don't build up a level of joy in their life, but it actually destroys any potential joy they could have. So there's really obvious examples. And you're probably thinking of friends or family members or coworkers or people you know who have pursued joy through substances, um, whether it be alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. And that's the thing that makes them happy. That's the thing that completes them and makes them right inside, or so they think. But it's pretty obvious it doesn't create joy. It actually removes it. Maybe you know someone who thought having an affair would give them joy. And in reality, it destroyed them. It made them... Um, more unhappy, more bitter than they ever were before. Maybe there's less overtly evil ways uh, that people pursue joy, but they're just as faulty. Like some people try to use their job to give them joy, so they pour all their time and all their energy and all their thought and all their passion into it, and all that happens is they end up exhausted, frustrated, overwhelmed. Um, It just doesn't work. Here's the thing. God wants people to have joy. God made people to enjoy a relationship with him and to live in a state of joy. But because of sin in the world, because of the way we mess things up, it's harder to find joy. Actually, if you look in Luke chapter 1, which we started last week, looking at the story of Zechariah and Mary being told by the angel that they were going to have special children, which were both scientifically impossible children, One, because Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were super old, and the other, because Mary's a virgin. So they should have been having babies, but they're both told they're going to. And as you read Luke chapter 1, you'll actually notice in this period of change and of God entering into the world in a new and radical way in the form of Jesus, his son, in this moment, there's a lot of emphasis on joy. Uh, If you look at verse 14, verse 28, verse 44, verse 47, verse 58, and actually if you go on ahead into chapter 2 and verse 10, probably one of the most famous passages about joy. um, There's a lot of emphasis on this when Jesus comes. And I want you to notice this text and these stories kind of teach us some things about how we can find joy. We may not have the exact same circumstances or exact same opportunities as these people, but we can pursue and find joy in the ways they did as well. All right, so let's pick up in the story from where we left off last week. By the way, if you didn't catch last week's pod, you can go uh, listen to that on thewaybk.com or on our podcast feed. Um, So Mary, she gets this news that she's going to have this child who's going to be named Jesus, who's going to be the son of God and the king from David's throne. And in verse 39, she goes to her cousin, who, what do you know, happens to be Elizabeth. And she she comes there to Elizabeth, who's now six months pregnant with her miracle baby, John. And it says the baby leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice in verse 44, this point about joy. She says to Mary, Elizabeth says to Mary, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. 
which by the way, what an amazing thing that a child, even within its mother, is behaving. It's not just reacting, but Elizabeth attributes behavior to her child, even in the womb. He's making a choice here. He's excited about something. What's he excited about? It says, whenever the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Well, what was special about Mary? Notice what it says uh, in verse 43. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Here's why Elizabeth, and I should say, uh, in the womb, uh, John, in utero, is that what you say? I don't know. Somebody can message us about that if that's the right phrase. Anyway, John in the womb leaps for joy because of the presence of God's work through Christ. This presence of God's work giving Mary this baby was the thing that inspired joy. Here's the deal. You may be looking around in your life and seeing a lot of bad things, and that can tear your joy down, and it can make it actually really hard to have joy. If all you see is you know injustice in your community, if you see people mistreating you at work, you got bad family relationships, you got bad health, you've got sin in your life, you got all these problems. If you want to start pursuing joy, one thing you need to start doing is looking for and recognizing the presence of God's work in the world and in your world. I know that sometimes it's really hard to see and maybe in some particular moments it's impossible to see. But actually, if you look and if you pay attention, you can see God's work. You can see his presence through good people who are standing up against injustice. You can see his work Maybe not in your family, but when you look at another family and you see their love and their commitment to serving each other and to pushing each other to love God more, you get to see something about God. And that can inspire you to say, hey, we can pursue that. And you can find joy when you look around you and see the presence of God's work. By the way, that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says that if you want to be walking by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit, it means you cut out evil in your life crucify the flesh is what the text says there in Galatians 5 so that God's spirit can grow up good things so you can see his presence and his work in your life where he produces love and joy and peace as you crucify the flesh and walk with Jesus his presence and his working presence can bring joy in your life all right, check out another reason uh, why we can have joy. And Mary goes on to sing a song, and it's a really beautiful song, great poetry. We can't talk about all of it, but look in verse 46. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit, here's our word, rejoices in God my Savior. Okay, cool, Mary. Why are you rejoicing? Because let's just hit the brakes here right quick. Mary didn't have a ton of reasons to rejoice. See, here's the deal. Mary was an unwed pregnant mother. And honestly, there's not really a culture or time or place where that is looked upon as like, hey, great job, you aren't married and you have a baby. Some communities and some cultures may be more accepting of that idea than others, but really nobody is excited about that prospect. And especially for a young Jewish girl who's living in a Jewish culture where actually she could have been taken out and stoned to death for having this baby apart from outside of marriage. She was going to have a hard life is the point that I'm trying to make. She's going to go home to her community, and whenever she starts having a baby, and somebody says, um, Mary, how did this happen? She says, well, you know, it's kind of a funny story. An angel appeared to me, and then I was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How do you think that story would go over? Her betrothed husband, Joseph, 
thought even that she had cheated on him. And if it wasn't for an angel appearing to him, he would have put her away. Here's my point. Mary had lots of reasons for anxiety. She had lots of reasons for discomfort. She had lots of reasons for bitterness and fear and confusion and all sorts of things. And yet she says, not just I'm feeling good, but she says, my soul, the depths of who I am, the essence of me glorifies God and my spirit, like every breath that I have rejoices in God, my savior. Why is that, Mary? Well, she gets, she tells us why, and she tells us why we can have joy. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And the song goes on. Here's my point, and here's another lesson about joy. Not only do we derive joy whenever we see God's presence working in the world around us and in our own lives. But we also can have joy whenever God's mercy elevates us. Mary understood she didn't have much going for her. She was just a simple girl from a simple town living a simple life, and nobody thought she was a big deal or special. And yet God, she says, had mercy on her. Sometimes the word mercy means um, I deserve to be punished, and God doesn't punish me. Other times the word mercy means I need help, and God helps me. Has God ever helped you? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever been helped in ways that you did not deserve? Have things ever gone well for you that should not have gone well? Has God ever taken care of you or forgiven you or provided for you in any way? If you're honest at all, the answer to those questions is absolutely 100% yes. And the question is, can you find joy in that? You may think, man, a lot of things aren't going right for me. Okay, can you have joy that God has been good to you, that he has extended you mercy, that he has helped you in your times of need? We need to learn to recognize, A, I am in desperate need of help, and B, God has been there to help me. And when you recognize God's mercy in your life, even when things are not going particularly well in your world or with your bank account or with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, you can have joy because you know God's been merciful to you. Let me show you another thing about joy. So the story goes on. Elizabeth leaves Mary, and uh, excuse me, Mary leaves Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth has her baby. But notice what happens in verse 58. It says, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Do you notice why these people are rejoicing? So, okay, Elizabeth was rejoicing, or I should say John in utero was rejoicing because of the presence of God's work in, in the world and in his life. Mary was rejoicing because of the mercy that she received. But here, these neighbors and relatives who've come to Elizabeth, this old lady who's had a baby, her first child, the neighbors and relatives show up and they rejoice because what she had received. Here's a problem for joy. A lot of us are looking for joy for ourselves and we don't share in the joy of others. Too often we get so caught up in how bad things are for us that we can't tap into and feed off of the good things that are happening for other people. The scriptures actually say in a couple places that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. One passage like that is in Romans chapter 12, and another one like that is in 1 Corinthians 12. And both of those texts, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, what they're addressing is the need for Christians to feed off of each other. Whenever you're hurting, I need to hurt with you. But you know what? Whenever you're rejoicing, I need to rejoice with you. 
And actually, the reason why a lot of people are depressed and sad and lonely and they feel hopeless and all these things is because they're not plugged into deep relationships with other Christians, with other believers. And so it's really hard for you to stay positive and joyful because you're all on your own. But whenever you tap into the joy of other Christians, you're able to keep on going and actually feed off of what they're enjoying. Sharing in someone else's joy is one of the best ways to find joy. So that's actually my encouragement to you this week. If you're not feeling joyful, why don't you look around for God's presence and His work in the world? And why don't you start making some changes, repent of some sins, crucify your flesh, so that He can work in your life and His Spirit can actually produce joy as you submit to uh, His will. Not only do you need to look for and even seek out His presence and His working presence in your life. But you also need to reflect on His mercy. Ways He's withheld bad things from you and even given you good things in your life. Be grateful, in other words, so that you can have joy. It's hard to be depressed at Thanksgiving dinner if you're really giving thanks. You know what I'm saying? Be thankful for God's mercy that elevates you. And thirdly, If you're not connected with Christians, with real Christians who are really living for the Lord, you need to start developing deep bonds with them. By the way, you might say, oh, I go to church. Okay, that's great. I'm saying build deep relationships because there's only so much joy you can tap into at church. You need to be going to church, by the way, but you need more than that. You need to be sharing in the joy of others so that we can say with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior.